The FDA has issued an extensive recall on several heparin products, which are reportedly contaminated. Yet these contaminants appear to have deceived standard FDA quality tests. How does this happen? And how can we prevent future deception? You are listening to ReachMDXM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, Professor of Surgery at Chicago Medical School, and our guest today is Dr. Javed Farid, Professor of Pathology and Pharmacology at Loyola University, Chicago Stritch School of Medicine. Dr. Farid has been studying batches of heparin since the drug contamination issue arose. Welcome, Dr. Farid. I'm pleased to be here. Today we are discussing the impact of recent concerns about heparin on future drug contamination issues. Dr. Freed, this alleged contaminant is reportedly so similar to heparin that it fooled standard quality tests. What are those standard quality tests that got fooled, and how can we prevent future deception with these tests? The standard quality test in heparin is a very simple test, which is to measure its anticoagulant activity on sheep blood. And if you add a certain amount of heparin to the sheep blood, it will stop clotting, and you can start clotting again by adding some calcium. So this is an old method which only measures the anticoagulant activities of heparin. It does not give you any information on its composition, on its biochemical properties, and so forth. So when people sell heparin, it is sold in so many pharmacopoeial units, be that European pharmacopoeia or U.S. pharmacopoeia. So if somebody makes heparin, pure heparin, or if somebody has a contaminated heparin and adjusts its anticoagulant activity by adding some anticoagulants, nobody would know the difference. However, there are now newer procedures which one should use to make sure that it's only heparin but no other contaminant. But at the present time, the standard method is the anticoagulant method, which does not take into account the chemistry or other molecular properties of heparin. Well, isn't this traditional old method decidedly different than the way we analyze other medications and drugs that come into our country? Yes. Well, why would that continue in this old-fashioned way? Because heparin is a biological, and biologicals are usually measured utilizing biological assays, and by tradition, we have kept it, and we have not introduced any other newer methods. But the good news is that U.S. Pharmacopeia and U.S. FDA now are thinking about using newer technology and implementing those new techniques to measure the chemical, physical, and biological properties of heparin and requiring some of these data from heparin manufacturers. But for unknown reason, we have not really utilized newer technology to analyze heparin. Is it unreasonable to think that we would be able to synthesize heparin in the future? No, it is not unreasonable. As a matter of fact, a component of heparin, heparin pentasaccharide, which is a five-sugar chain compound, which is an integral component of heparin, which is biologically responsible for some of its activity, has already been synthesized. And this chemically synthesized pentasaccharide is now available for the managed prophylaxis of DVT. And the name of this drug is Fondaparenox or Arextra. And certainly it is a chemical derivative of heparin. It is not of biologic origin. Unfortunately, 
this substance does not have the anticoagulant properties which we need in surgical and interventional procedure where we want to make the blood thin. It stops the blood from getting activated and clotting, but it does not make the blood thin. That is why it has its limitation. On the other hand, we have now biotechnology or fermentation technology where a semi-synthetic approach can be taken where heparin-like substances can be made, but these are mostly experimental right now. In the United States, do you think that it's fair to ask, are we outsourcing too much of the drug production process? Yes, and this is because of the cost. But in the case of heparin, it is not just outsourcing the production because, you know, production could be just chemical, which can be done in the United States. Here the problem is that heparin is coming from hogs, and we don't have so many hogs that we can meet the supply and demand here. So we have to go to China where there are much more hogs or much more swine populations so that we can use the raw material from there. Are there any other countries that can take the place of China with the population of pigs to provide us with the heparin? It's a difficult question. I think the pig farms, we can ourselves in the United States with the advanced husbandry techniques can increase the production of hogs. I mean, we have a lot of farms where we have pigs and we can increase those. But I think the cost of maintaining and producing and then obtaining heparin, it's a very important question. And if push comes to shove, that will be it. You know, if we don't start importing heparin from China or other countries in a qualified manner, then we have to, you know, expend our own resources and the government has to you know, give some incentives to the pig farmers. If you have just joined us, you are listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM157. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, professor of surgery at Chicago Medical School, and with me today is Dr. Javed Farid, professor of pathology and pharmacology at Loyola University Chicago Stritch School of Medicine. We are discussing the impact of recent concerns about heparin on future drug contamination issues. Dr. Farid, how are the new technologies contributing to and even enabling the counterfeiting process? Well, the new technologies are very advanced, and we are very fortunate to have these technologies. And the U.S. is, of course, pioneer in these new technologies. Such technology as capillary electrophoresis, nuclear magnetic resonance, and PCR probing provide us excellent tools to absolutely make sure that we don't have contaminants and unusual substances in a biologic product like heparin. So we are blessed to have new technologies, and I'm sure that implementation of these new technologies will be very helpful in assuring the quality of the product. Now, do some of these same technologies actually help the process of counterfeiting that presumably is going on in China? Yes. In what way, sir? We can take a chondritin sulfate preparation and sulfate it in such a way that it mimics heparin. And then we can adjust its molecular weight, which can superimpose the molecular weight of heparin, which has been done in the case of supersulfated chondritin sulfate. So unfortunately, advances in analytical technology can also contribute to the problems which we have. For example, the current contaminant is called a supersulfated or hypersulfated chondritin sulfate, 
which is a cartilage carbohydrate, which is much cheaper. And if you sulfate, if you make sulfonated derivatives of this, its anticoagulant properties increase, its molecular weight is about the same. It can mimic for a commoner, it's like heparin. So this wasn't an easy thing to put these counterfeit contaminants in the heparin by the Chinese. No, but it was a very clever approach to mimic a non-heparin substance, increase its anticoagulant activity, and give it a molecular profile which is just exactly like heparin, which is almost superimposable. So if somebody even do the physical chemical analysis of this heparin, it will not differentiate between the two products because they are both linear carbohydrates. How did they figure this out? Well, you know, heparin is a very specific chemical. So we have some enzymes which are very specific to degrade heparin. So if you have a counterfeited heparin or a contaminated heparin and subject it to an enzyme which is called heparinase, almost all of the heparin in it will be degraded or digested into small molecules. But the chondritin sulfate or contaminant is resistant. So the way we detected was to take the contaminated heparin, subject it to the digestion of this enzyme, and the rest of the product which was left over was the contaminant. So by using a specific enzyme, isolation method, affinity methods, immunologic methods, you can sorb out heparin, and if there is a contaminant, you can isolate it separately. So in listening to what you're saying, this did not appear to be an inadvertent contamination, but rather a planned or deliberate one? This is my conviction. I believe in it strongly that this was a deliberate act of contaminating and counterfeiting heparin to increase the heparin yield. Well, when we think about heparin and we think about all the other medications and drugs, are there larger issues we have to think about? Oh, yes. You know, we have a lot of new proteins. You know, we have erythropoietin. We have growth factors. We have insulin. We have a lot of expensive drugs, you know, and I think we have to look into all these things quite deeply. Heparin has taught us a lesson. It is something which, using newer techniques, we can resolve eventually. I hope that our colleagues all over the world, within our own country, have ethical concern because we have patient care. We have over 60 deaths because of this situation. So I think that this is a complex issue, but when it comes to supply and demand and greed, I think we have some obstacles to handle here. Well, Dr. Fareed, what was exactly the lesson that we learned from this? The lesson is that if we want to take care of our patients here, and if we have a critical drug like heparin, it's not like aspirin. A dose of aspirin, you miss it, it's not a big deal. A dose of statin, you miss it, it's not a big deal. A dose of antibiotic. But a drug which is thinning your blood and is stopping the clot from your heart or lung or brain, if you have a compromised drug like that, and if you do develop a clot, or if this drug has some anaphylactic reactions or allergic reaction in a critically ill patient who is treated for heart disease or a stroke or pulmonary embolism, we are dealing with a very critical drug, and we must be very, very clear in assuring its quality and safety issues. So that is the lesson, and I think we should also learn to differentiate among drugs. There are critical drugs, and there are not-so-critical drugs, 
and the over-the-counter drugs or those drugs for a headache or a cramp, something are different. But when we are using drugs for heart attack or a stroke or pulmonary embolism in critically ill patients, we must make sure that these drugs have good safety index. I want to thank our guest, Dr. Javed Farid. We have been discussing the impact of recent concerns on heparin on future drug contamination issues. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Be sure to visit our website at ReachMD.com, now featuring on-demand podcasts of our entire library. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. And thank you for listening. This is Dr. Joseph Govius with the Medical College of Wisconsin in Milwaukee, and you are listening to ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals.